Welcome to On Scene First. I'm your host, Tracy Eldridge. With over 25 years in public safety, I am wicked excited and honored to bring you entertaining, educational, and empowering conversations with public safety difference makers who are harnessing the power of out-of-the-box thinking with the latest and greatest must-have technology tools and mental health resources to save lives on both sides of the call. Before we get started, a special thank you to our premier sponsor, Rapid SOS. As a trusted public safety data partner and the creators of the world's first emergency response data platform, RapidSOS is sharing critical data with first responders like myself to get us the information we need to save lives and property. To learn how you can become RapidSOS ready and better protect the ones you love, visit RapidSOS.com and tell them Tracy sent you. Now, on with the show. Hey friends, welcome to episode 18. My guest today is Melinda Crockham. Melinda works for the Commission on State Emergency Communications in Texas, a small agency doing big things. Join us as we discuss the importance of public safety education, the National Public Safety Educator Forum and their upcoming virtual conference, and Carrie's Law. All right, Melinda, thank you so much for being here. As usual, I'm wicked excited to have awesome people on the podcast. Uh, So how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great today. So excited to be here with you. Yes, tomorrow um, you guys have uh, kind of a big day tomorrow that's leading into something that we're going to talk about later. So we'll definitely touch base on that. So I know you guys are super excited, super busy, but with that, why don't you tell me, so our listeners, I know who you are, I know what you do, but the people that are listening might not. So why don't you tell me who you are, what you do, and then kind of a little bit about, you know, how you got to the position that you're in. Let's go from there. Yeah, sure. So I'm Melinda Crockham and I work for the Commission on State Emergency Communications. Huge name super little agency. We're only an agency of 25 people and we administer 911 and poison control programs in the state of Texas. And I started out here today or in October, it will be 10 years since I've been with the agency. I know big 10 and I love it. I've, I've, I love working with 911. I love working with poison control. I started out as a public education coordinator and now I'm the communications manager. Still do a lot of public education, but now I do more communications. And so I'm here to talk to you today about the National Public Safety Educator Forum, which I'm also a part of the board and have been since probably the third conference. It's awesome. It's for it started out for 911 public educators and a few years ago we got our 501c3 and we expanded it to public safety educators because nice. we wanted to make sure, you know, we'd always have people we'd have a couple like police officers there, we'd have a, a couple firefighters there, but we we didn't have a lot of them. And so we want to make sure that everybody knows that all public safety education is really kind of the same and we all have the same initiatives the same goals and so why don't we work together and see reach more people see what that's we can awesome do. so super excited yeah that's really cool so um in your big girl job 
That's what I've referred yeah. to the one you do full time. When you say you're in communications, um, so what does, how does your agency interact with the 911 centers? If, if folks are just not familiar with you guys, how do you, yeah. inter, how, how do you interact with the folks in Texas in the 911 centers? Great question. So the way that 911 is in Texas, and it's different in every state, as we know. Oh, it sure have, is. <laughs> we have council of governments, uh, we have districts, and we have municipalities. <clears throat> All the council of governments, which there are 20 now, are under CSEC, our agency. So we're a small agency that administers the council of governments. There's 20 under us. So while we might take up the most land in Texas, we aren't the big cities. San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, Houston, they're all districts. And so they get their money directly. We're the granting agency for the Council of Governments. And so that's why we administer and then we give them their funds through our agency. And so my role uh, as the public educator was to work with the local and regional folks, educators, to see how I could help them at the state level. I have a unique role. There's not a lot of state educators uh, in, in state agencies and or uh, in states. And so it's really great that I have this opportunity to help them even more at a state level. That's awesome. So, and it's almost like whatever needs they have, they can come to you guys, right? It's, it's not just like specific, this is the only thing that we deal with. It's if somebody comes up with something that's a really great idea where they would want funding or support, they can go to you guys. Is that, is that what am I understanding that correctly? Right. And so we work with them to see what we can cover or if it's in the budget or how we can work it into the next biennium, things like that. That's awesome. So one of the things that you said that I think is just amazing is that the 911 funds are actually going to 911 centers because that doesn't happen everywhere. We definitely make sure we're doing that in Texas. We are so good about that. I will say the districts, municipalities, and uh, the council of governments are all very good about they that. get the, they get the money that they deserve and i will tell you so you know you know that i used to work for rapid sos i left the yes. center and when i first so when i first started um almost five years ago which is crazy to me um when i started i didn't know what i was doing i had to start reaching out to agencies I was the only full-time person on the public safety team. So I was just kind of tackling, like, I didn't know there was no rhyme or reason. It wasn't, this is how you do this or whatever. But for some reason I landed in Texas. And, and so now I get to start figuring out how the nine one system works in Texas. And it hurt yeah. my head. It hurt my head. I'm like, I'm not going to lie. It took, my me, head. <laughs> it took me a really long time to figure out the difference between a district and the council of governments yes. and then who, fell, who fell under who and, oh, wait, no, we're a municipality. And I was like, this is like, that is literally what I was doing. I'm I'm still there. I'm like, okay, wait, I think I'm finally getting it 10 years later. Yeah. So I I was really excited when we started bringing on other folks uh, that were able to, to take over the, like the administrative stuff for Texas, but I still got to go to the conferences and speak and, and, you know, and, and talk to my awesome friends out there. So so that's your big girl job. You guys do a lot to support the PSAPs, which is great. 
Um, and then you mentioned the National Public Safety Educators Forum. I, I met you guys, I met you and Tina at a Texas conference a few years ago. And I was super excited to hear what you guys were doing. I, I didn't know about it. So for those that don't know what uh, the National Public Safety Educators Forum is, can you just give a little bit of history about kind of yeah. how it began? And and I know you mentioned that you're offering services to both police, fire, 911, uh, et cetera. But, but what is it? Where did it come from? And, and what are you guys doing these days? Sure. Yeah. So... Uh... It started in 2010 with a group of educators that were at a Nina conference. They could not find a lot of public education sessions available to them. And so they're like, well, what the heck, what can we do so that we make sure the public educators are getting what they need to educate the public. So there's less hang up calls, less of all those, you know, less, calls. less, less. Why are you asking me all these questions? Yes, yes, exactly. And what time are the fireworks? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I think there's like about a group of five of them. And they're like, let's come up with our own conference for educators. And so that's exactly what they did. And awesome group of folks, Patty Davis, you know, Don Porter, Karen DeMarco, Dennis Duroust, Robert Gonzalez, uh, forgive me if I've missed a name, but those were the core group of um, educators that started out and they did an amazing job. The conferences expanded the first few years it started out in Texas and then we started to travel around to different states and it's been awesome. We've been to Illinois, Washington, um, West Virginia Beach. Oh, it was awesome. Uh, South was, Carolina. We've been every. You know, down. as yeah. as you're listing as you're listing them, I my eyes started twitching because I was supposed to be a speaker at the one that was in Virginia, and I ended up. Yes, ma'am, you were. Light issue. I have never. But. I have never missed a session. Never, never, ever. And the one that I like so desperately wanted to be at it was going to be my first time speaking there and I got stuck in Illinois I know. I got stuck in Illinois so that made me sad but for 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 the record we did ask you at the last minute so it's okay <laughs> it's okay I was still going but I do it's so totally okay. if I mention the time that I got stuck in Illinois I have to give Brent Reynolds uh, from Glenview uh, a shout out. I was stuck in Chicago. There was so many different, I, I don't even remember what it was, weather, computer, I don't know. But I just know that it was chaos in the flight world and there were no hotels, there were no rental cars, there was nothing. And I was this close to sleeping in the airport and he was like, absolutely not. And he called uh, a hotel manager in his community uh, we ultimately, I found the, I finally got a rental car and, and he hooked, he hooked a sister up. So That's it, so it awesome. pays to have, have a family yes, and 911 all over. So, yeah. Totally so, so they have these conferences and I just think it's, I just want to go back and, and touch base on my ignorance, uh, yeah, on fine. the lack of, of education. Like when you point that out, it's like, no, we don't. We don't educate our public yeah. educators. And I just think that was really awesome that uh, these folks recognize that. They go there, they want they want to support 911 and, and public education. And so now, what is it, MPF? MPF, 
MPEF, uh, you know, is born and now 10 years later, still, still going strong, right? Still how, going many, strong. how many members do you guys have? We have over 2000 members. Wow. It's free to join, free to be a part of. We have free resources. We have a Dropbox we have for anyone that comes to the conference or is a, is just joins. You just have to go to our website, www.911npef.org. And it'll have a little button on there where you can join as a member and then you'll get our emails, which are rare. So don't worry, we're not going to be blowing up your emails. <laughs> Uh, and it's usually just to tell you about the conference or if someone has a public education need somewhere and they need some help. Maybe somebody's just starting out in public education and they don't know where to start. Maybe they have no budget. So they're like, well, how the heck do I do anything without any funds? Right. Hey, Matt, call me. So <laughs> yeah, and like, know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get. I'll give you guys some free resources. And just to clarify, so the website is www.911npef.org. Yes, ma'am. All right. Awesome. So we want folks to go there. Even if yes. you're not, even if you're not considered or you're, you don't wear the title of public safety educator, there's so much to know there. I know that there are folks that may not necessarily have a program where they're educating uh, the public, but they run a Facebook page or they have some type of social media. So I'm sure they can find, you know, resources there or, or collaborate on things, which is, yeah. which is really, so, yeah. Cool. Right. So those, for those smaller agencies that don't have, re they don't have a full-time public educator or even part-time public educator. A lot of times you're going to see the telecommunicators stepping up and being like, I want to be a part of it, which is awesome because Who's answering the calls? Who knows what we need to educate on? Telecommunicators. Right. So right. let's do this, you know? So That's I love awesome. having them there. I love that they get to be a part of it. And so another great thing about MPEF is we make it affordable. When you go to national conferences, they're usually like 500 or more just to register. That's not even for travel and all that jazz. Yeah. And a lot of times if it has to do with public education, if you don't have a boss that supports public education, it's really hard to get it approved. Right. So we make it where like this year we have a virtual conference. So it's only $30 to attend. Uh, but usually when we have it in person, which will be going back in person next year, we have it for $150 to register at the, or $175, it used to be 150, we just bumped it up, <laughs> but $175 to register. And then it's not, and that's for the early bird, but we extend that early bird almost to the conference time. And then it's just in those last couple months that it gets doubled. And even then it's only $300 to, to attend. So we make it very affordable, keep whatever hotel we're at, at the prices of you know, the state, what you would get reimbursed. And so it's just awesome. And every time we have a conference, it's so energizing. Of These course. folks have so much fun. It's, it's so great to see them come in when they, and, and kind of be unsure, you know, especially the telecommunicators, like, what am I getting myself into? Like these educators are so Full of energy and like well they have to be you're yeah, i'm on right now i'm on i know you are too tracy yeah but yeah you have to like be me, I, 
I'll, I'll tell people I'm an introvert. They don't believe me. And I'm like, but I, re I really am. Like, this is me on. This is my day job. No, it's and so funny that you, home, it's so funny that you say that because <laughs> I, and, and I think, you know, and many know that listen to me, I am, I, I'm a, a consultant for the DISC uh, behavior model personality assessments. And one of the things when I tell people that I am an extroverted introvert, they're like, what? I'm like, no, I say that all the time. Too. I am an extroverted introvert. And, and unless you are one, you don't understand that you can literally be dancing on the table one minute and then in the corner the next. And, totally. you know, people just see you when you're on. But these conferences, I, and I'm the same way. When I come home from a conference, because I'm on the whole time, and let me just be clear when I say this. I'm not on, I'm not faking it. This, this, no, that no, it, yeah, that it isn't, it, it isn't that I'm like, oh, flicking a switch, like, oh, I have to perform now. <laughs> right, right, it's, right. It's not that, it's the energy, the energizing. When I'm educating, when I'm around other people that are educating, when I'm around other people that have the same passion as me, it is really hard to contain my excitement. <laughs> like there is yeah. no, there is yeah, no you question feed about off it. of that. Yeah, yep. Really. And the more energy, the more energy I get. And then the more energy yeah. that I get, the more energy that other people get. And, and you're very simple, like you're, you're, we're very similar in oh, I know. a Two lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited that you guys uh, have this conference and that you are moving around the country because I do think yeah. it's really important. Not everybody can get to Texas, but right. you mentioned that you have a virtual conference this year. Yeah. And I heard you have some amazing speakers just saying. Totally amazing. <laughs> One just might happen to be talking to you right now. Yay. But yes, we have some amazing speakers. It's And so what we did for the virtual conference is usually if you were to come in person, it's a three-day conference. Yes. So condense it to two days for the virtual in case people didn't have that much time to you know, dedicate. But here's the great thing about the virtual conference is we're recording it. That's so cool. If you register and you can't be there for the live recordings, it'll be there for you later. So you'll That's always awesome. still have that, you know, that's great. Yeah, that is really cool. And, you know, with the, with everything that happened with the pandemic, you know, we're, we're a year and a half away yes. from when this, with this whole thing started, so happy to see the world starting to open up again in what, two weeks, I'll be in Columbus at the National Nina Conference. Awesome. I cannot wait to hug people. I'm hugging. I'm hugging. I don't care if you're not a hugger. I'm hugging you. Do your thing, girl. I am hugging. <laughs> I will warn you, but I'm I'm coming in, right? So, yeah. But Here I'm, so, I'm so happy to to hear uh, that you guys are going to go back to an in-person conference yes. next year. We had to make do with what we had, and and a lot of folks they want to participate but we know how public safety goes. You can't always make it. And even if you intend on making it virtually, the squid hits the sand and that's it. Totally. You, you're, you have to get back to work or whatever. So really appreciate that you guys are doing that. I also know that the, the 911 Training Institute uh, stepped up and they, they yes. sponsored you guys. That's really cool. Did you yeah. give out, I know a few folks have posted that they were recipients of it. Um, my friend so Joyce, we, I knew she had to be yeah. because she's like, oh, yes. I've never seen anybody attend as much training as that girl, which is really cool. But tell me about the 91 training Institute and what they have done for you. Yeah, guys. we were super excited. They did a sponsorship for 10 
educators or anybody that had a passion for public education, 911 public education could come to the conference. And we were able to give those tickets out as we deemed fit. And nice. so we went to social media and I asked people to comment like, hey, you know, tell me, how long have you been in public safety? Where are you from? And why would you like to come to this conference? And so we did get several responses and super excited. I reached out to several folks who are attending. We still have two available. So there's still a chance. And so everybody knows what Tracy was talking about earlier. What's a big day for us tomorrow is it's the last day to register. Yes. So you must be registered by tomorrow in order to be a part of it come Tuesday of next week. So it's Tuesday and Wednesday next week. That's the 13th and 14th. Want to make sure I get that right. And it starts, uh, I want to say around 9 a.m. Central and we go about till 3 p.m. Central. On both days. Yep. Mm-hmm, on both days. And so we have a networking event at the end of Monday. And so you will have an opportunity. And while we're not in person, you'll still have that opportunity to reach out to other state uh, and regional and local educators that are attending the conference and and dig at their brain, see what they can do to help you if you're stuck. Because I've been stuck. I know we all get stuck, or we don't know can't come up with another idea, another phrase, like, you know, text, call if you can, can't text, text if you can, can. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, anything. We're just trying to come up with some uh, things to put on widgets. And if you don't know what a widget is, because I didn't know till I went to one of these conferences, it can be <laughs> anything, a t-shirt, a pen, whatever, but you're just something that you can put out there that you can give to the community and remind them, oh, and they're right up in, oh yeah, 911, and where they got it from, and gives them a little phrase to remind them of some type of 911 education. Well, I wish this was available, well, it, it was available when I was in the center, because I only left five years ago, but, you know, but I not a lot I of people knew about it. Yeah. I didn't know about it, because I didn't do a lot of venturing out, and I think that's what, you know, there's a lot of things that I, I'm really angry at COVID about. <laughs> like, I, I don't even want to get into this stuff, but, uh, it you know, ruined a lot of things. <laughs> it, it ruined, it did ruin a lot of things. But what I will tell you is I'm a positive person and there were so many amazing things that came out of, of COVID and virtual mm-hmm. conferences and getting folks to meet. I, I've watched so many new friendships blossom on social media and in person and I've met so many amazing people, you know, from being kind of forced to be online more, uh, which just has has made it easier. And folks coming together virtually, while it's not the same, it is serving a, a very big purpose. So, and then I can't, I can't have a podcast with you guys, um, uh, you from Texas and talking about public education without bringing in Carrie's law. Um, Carrie's Carrie's law to me is, uh, it is a personal passion. It is a professional passion. I learned about Carrie's law when we had an incident with a facility in our jurisdiction. It was a new facility and it had just come into our jurisdiction. We didn't even have a site plan on there. We didn't have site info, whatever. And we have uh, a fire there. And the fire 
was called in by a landline. The call went to a neighboring jurisdiction or it was even two towns. It was two towns over. And then that call was routed back to us. So one of the things that I've been really adamant about in my training recently for 9-1 telecommunicators is the proper and appropriate time to use discrepancy forms. And in this case, <laughs> this was the proper and appropriate time because the call went from my town to another town and then came back to me. So it's my responsibility as a telecommunicator to find out why and then to get it fixed. So I filled out the discrepancy form and then after the fire was out, I, I asked the captain or rather told him because I'm married to him. So, so I got to tell hey, him what to do. So helpful. <laughs> I, got to, I got to tell him what to do at work and at home. It was awesome. Uh, but I asked him, I said, can you, can you get the person who called that in? Can you find the person that called that in and have him call me? So they called me on the business line and I explained what happened. And she said, oh, we're a new facility. Our main facility is in the other jurisdiction. Okay, great. We need to get this fixed. Give me the name of a manager. So she gives me the name of a manager. I call them. I said, look, you, you have an issue with your phone system. Just get with your phone company. They can, they can change where that call gets routed, you know, change the address, blah, blah, blah. So I checked back a couple of times. They hadn't done it yet. I, I left a couple of messages and I was getting frustrated, honestly, because I'm like, this could be somebody's life. No, totally. And when there's a problem, I'm super passionate about it. So Sure enough, we end up getting another 911 call for um, a male who fell over 20 feet and was impaled by rebar through his torso. A very serious call, life-threatening call, and it got routed to the other agency. They routed it back to us. And, and I started, I'm like, what recourse do I have? Right. When and seconds I, count, right? When seconds yeah. So I'm like, how do I make these people do the right thing when it comes to this multi-line telephone system? So I start Googling multi-line tele telephone system laws and boom, here comes Carrie's law, pops up in front of me. But the problem was, it this was in 20, maybe 2014, 15-ish, maybe 15-ish, I think it was 15. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a whole lot about it out there. Right, it was very I, new. Yeah, so I started learning a ton about it and then fast forward. So I wrote this kind of one hour class and I, I presented it at the Nina conference in 2016. As I'm doing the presentation, at the end of the presentation, Mark Fletcher is in oh my, my session and I'm talking about Carrie's Law. Yeah. I was like, and if you don't know, if you're out there and you're listening and you don't know who Mark Fletcher is and what he did for Carrie's Law, he did a lot. Yeah. And, and you need so to I'm, do your research. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just Google Mark Fletcher and Carrie's law. Um, and I remember when I put the Carrie's law slide up there, he, he like perked up yeah. took, and he took hey, a picture a <laughs> yeah. and he took, and he took a picture of it. And then he came up to me and what he said next was just, it just blew me away. He said, hi, I'm Mark Fletcher. And I'm like, oh, I know. Cause I know your voice. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he said, I just, I just want to let you know that I just took a picture of your slide and sent it to Carrie's dad, Hank. Oh, and I was like, I didn't know if I to cry, like, like, did I say something wrong? Like, please tell me no. if I didn't get it right. Yeah. And he's like, Nope. And he did correct me on one thing. Cause that's Fletch and he's got to do that. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so I could talk about this all day, but I just wanted to kind of give a backstory as to why I'm so super passionate about it. I got to meet Hank. I, I got very close to Hank and his family, DJ and, and um, yes. one of his daughters, Laura. And, and then Mark Fletcher is just a super huge 
you know, mentor of mine. So much happened with Carrie's Law. In fact, on the 50th anniversary of 911, it was actually signed into federal law. But I know yes, you guys law. had you guys had a, a big hand in in making this happen at the Texas. Can you tell me how you guys got involved? What what role you guys played in that and and your advocacy of of Carrie's Law? Yeah. So this one's tough, right? Yeah. Because we never want someone to die. Nope. We always want to save those people. And so when you hear these stories, like Carrie's Law story, it just is so crushing to your soul. If you're a big feeler, like. Yeah, oh, we're feelers. <laughs> yep. mm -hmm. yeah, we're big feelers. And so it just hits you, even personally, if it hasn't happened to you, just you just feel what Hank must have been feeling. <clears throat> so the incident happened in Texas, for those that are not familiar with Carrie's Law. And um, I won't go into the details, but um, Carrie was meeting her, you know, ex-husband to exchange the kids at a hotel room. And he took her into the bathroom and, and killed her, essentially. And the children were in the, the hotel room. One of the daughters tried to call 911, kept trying to call 911. Well, as we know, for all of those that have stayed in hotels or wherever you might work that has a multi-line telephone system, what do you have to do first to get an outside line? Adults know. Yeah, right. Adults know. Push nine or another digit or whatever it might be. But we don't teach kids that. Never. We don't say, oh, by the way, if you're calling from this phone, do it this way. Or if you call from this phone, do it this way. Because that's too much, right? We try to keep it simple. Yeah. Well, let's keep it simple, even with multi-line telephone systems, right? Why can't you directly call 911 and them know exactly where you are to get that help? And so this poor little nine-year-old girl calls 911 over and over and over. She can't get them. Then she's out of the hotel room. She's trying to get, you know, anybody to help her. And so Hank Hunt, oh, love him, love him, love, love him. Love that man. Also one of our keynote speakers. So we're super, yes. super excited. I love having him. He comes to Texas a lot. Well, he lives in Texas, but he, <laughs> I was he comes say, to different parts. Yeah, yeah. He comes to different parts of Texas a lot throughout the years to and and now nationally, obviously. It is his passion, Carrie's Law. And it, I was so excited to see it uh, at the federal level finally become a law because we started out with Texas Carrie's Law. I believe it was 2013. Yep, it was. Um, but don't quote me on that because <laughs> all my well, I, I, the incident was 2013. So I think it was 2015. It was, that, yeah, or 2015 that we got it signed into law in Texas. And since then, as you mentioned, we now have it as a, a federal law. So the difference is there in Texas. We had it where if you couldn't reach the requirements to directly call 911, you had to sign a waiver, and that would make it okay you know and, and give yeah, it to yeah. us and so you're okay for a year but in a year's time you need to have this you know rectified and it needs to directly call 911 and so they have a few years to to fix that before they can't do waivers anymore but there's no fine unfortunately it's really hard I know, you know when, you're, when you're creating laws especially in Texas where you know we are all about 
you know, getting business, like we're a business state, right? And so we don't want to punish businesses, but we also want them to do the right thing. And so this, this was the, our best recourse. And then from there, Hank Hunt was able to take, finally, we got it in Texas. He took it to other states. Other states started adopting this law as well. Um, and different, you know, it's different, tweaked a little different, uh, how theirs might be. And then finally, at the federal level, yay, we have a law. And so, um, again, it's, it's, you know, it's a little difficult in the sense that any old multi-line telephone right. systems, it doesn't cover, it only covers the new ones coming out, but still the information is out there. Carrie's law is getting more news because there's a federal law and it's just so helpful. I, you know, I totally love Hank's passion for this and I just love him. I don't, I, there's just no words that can think, express it. I think it is important to talk about Carrie's law because one of the things that I explain, so there's a class that I do uh, for the public safety group. I wrote an eight hour class after I left Rapid SOS. And the title of that class is when high profile calls have higher impact. And Carrie's story is one of those. I talk about I talk about the Denise Amber Lee situation. I only go a little bit into detail there um, just to be, you know, to make sure that folks are aware because the Denise Amber Lee Foundation offers training on it. So I'm not going to go fully into detail, uh, but I do go into a, a lot of detail with the Kyle Plush incident and the lessons that were learned there. I'm very close to that situation. Uh, but I don't want to have to keep telling these stories, right? So sure, it's hard. And, and, you know, there's two things that I say in that class. Number one, don't earn a place in my slide presentation. Like, don't do things that will get you on my slide presentation. And number two, um, you know, even though there are situations that may not have affected the telecommunicator in the situation with Carrie's story, the 911 system itself did not fail Carrie and her family. The process in accessing 911 failed exactly. Carrie. And one of the things that I, I also mentioned is that this was truly an error of ignorance. Totally. Attention. This, this was something that it, unfortunately, like with many things, it took a tragedy for us to step back and go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, people just didn't think of it, right? This is a problem and we have to fix it. And so to watch it, I, I remember sitting on my couch, Hank was, um, you know, messaging me when to watch, you know, when when they were in session and all this, I think it was like 4.30 in the morning, here I am on my phone watching the stuff my husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's work <laughs> stuff. And, yeah. uh, and then while they were in, DC for 911 goes to Washington or getting ready to go there. Mm -hmm. You know, Hank texts me and he's like, we're going to Washington and the president's going to sign. And, and I couldn't, I could feel the, the energy. They worked so hard to get this law in place. Yeah, and a do. lot of, a lot of telecommunicators don't understand the role they can play in, in advocating for Carrie's law, but all of this really ties together, right? You, you yeah. what you guys, what you do in your big girl job, what you do with, with, the uh, Public Safety Educators Forum, it's Texas. Like it just, 
all marries right together. And to get folks to understand, like, even if you just walk into a hotel room and the phone says for emergency dial nine and nine one one. I was just about to say that. So if you know Hank or Mark, oh, I do know too. that when they check into a hotel room, that's one of the first things they do. Yeah, yeah. me too. If you can, and if it has, where you have to still dial out, they will blast you on social media. 100%. I will, I will do the same thing. And people tag me in it because they knew. So I was, I was kind of one of the first other than Mark and Hank, I was one of the first. And, and this is what Mark had told me. He's like, I had never seen anybody else talking about it. He's like, you were the first, you were the first person I ever saw. He's like, i I almost fell off my chair. He was there to hear what I had to say about other stuff and see if I was credible in the stuff that I was talking about. <laughs> and he's like, I almost fell off my chair when that slide went up there. And, you know, to be an advocate to now see oh, how, how many folks are talking about it, it's, it's, yeah. it's really important. And that public education piece, getting folks to understand, I can't even tell you how many facilities, buildings, whatever I'm in. If I see that it's not right, I will ask to speak to somebody and say, yeah. hey, look, you may not be aware, but there is a law. It's called Carrie's Law. If you're not familiar with it, please look it up and get your phone system changed because it could cost somebody their life. And there may not be anybody to police it. There may not be anybody that you're, like, you're not going to get fined or anything like that. But I think just having it is, is going to be worth its weight in gold. And then yeah. when that went through, Ray Bombs Act kind of piggybacked on that for dispatchable address yeah. stuff. Like we're just getting better and better. Important, important stuff. Yeah, we're getting better and better at getting folks educated on yes. what's right when it comes comes to 911. Right, because a lot of this stuff seems so simple. And oh, I know what to do. And you know, we learned that in kindergarten and whatever. And then we never talk about it again. You're 100% right. That's the problem, that's the problem is that we don't. And so- when we go to call 911 and we're in our most panic state, you know, whatever we learned in kindergarten, we sure as shit ain't, excuse my French, aren't okay. going to remember it, you know? So it's so important that we keep doing this education, even for adults, especially yeah. for adults. Because oh, yeah. Right. And, you know, as far as in the education goes, too, is I know that the, the Kyle Plush Answer the Call Foundation, you know, they're attending community fairs and they have tables and they want to teach people all the different ways that you can call 911 from your cell phone. In Kyle's situation, he used the Siri feature to to call 911 because he wasn't able to access his his cell phone. And yeah. I don't think people think about those things. And, oh. you know, Kyle, he did everything right. And, and he did what he should have done when it came to that cell phone. And I think the education piece, there are so many places where we can be advocating and educating for 911 and how it works, why, it, why we do the things that we do. When I started working for Rapid SOS and folks are like, oh, what are you doing these days? And, and I would explain like, oh, we're working, I work with a company that is working with Apple and Google to get your location to 911 when you call from a cell phone. And the, if you could have seen the looks that I got from the civilians and the lay people, <laughs> they're like, what? 911 doesn't know where I am? Exactly. And then I had to explain like, no, because we're on 1960s infrastructure and <laughs> It's just not a thing. And and to see the looks on pe people's faces, they're, they're just blown away. Yes. So, but come on, Tracy, we know. Why do they think this? Because of television. TV shows. Yeah, the TV shows have it where 
you can see that the how quickly they get help and oh it all yeah. works so well yeah, and it's funny, and it's funny that you say that because I always joke about uh, Haley Berry's movie, <laughs> The Call, and it's like, yeah, it's not like that. And I, and I said this once. I, I don't remember who I was talking about, but I said this once. I said it's not like that. The dispatcher just doesn't get up from the console and go respond to the call. Yeah, and I had to stop myself and laugh because number one, I, I worked for a small agency, right? So yeah. I was the chief dispatcher. I'm not lying when I say that there have been times that I have answered the 911 call, I have EMD'd the 911 call, I have dispatched the ambulance, and then because nobody was signing on, I left when my dispatcher took over, like dispatching, I left and I responded to the call. So it does happen. It does. That happened twice um, where the backup ambulance was needed and nobody was signing on and I, I processed the call. I dispatched it. My dispatcher took over and I went and got the ambulance and transported the patient. So that's another thing that people don't realize. And I didn't know either until I started visiting different, uh, PSAPs, public safety answering points. And one has, you know, if you're going to a bigger population might have like 20, you know, call takers. Yep. But then I went to another one, well, it was literally, like you said, just one, just yep. one. And the jail, the jail thing was in the back. And I mean, they're, it's like they're all housed in this little old building. And, and that's just how it is in these rural areas. Yeah. And, and another thing that you have a, a problem with in rural areas is you don't, it's spotty with cell phones. You know, people yeah. think that now wherever you are, that cell phones work everywhere. Not the case. No, there's a, there is a ton to learn out there, you know, as, as we go into, to the wrap up for this, for this episode. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to be able to get it out today so folks can get registered. So if you're listening to it, Melinda, as we go into the wrap up, I, I just, first, I want to say thank you. Public education is so important. Uh, I'm really excited to be able to speak. Uh, be Thank one you. of the the speakers at at your conference next week. The class that I'm doing, it's a new class. So uh, the title of it is Reignite That Smoldering Flame. And I think you you said it perfectly at the beginning of the podcast is that you have folks that are kind of burnt out and they've fizzled. And when they walk into that conference, you know, they don't know what to expect. You know, maybe they need to be re-energized. Maybe they need to be you know, reignited and they need to, they need to realize the importance of the job that they do. And that's what this session is going to do. We're going to talk about how complacency and bad attitudes have absolutely no place in the 911 center and, and how to just get to a better uh, mental, emotional, and educated place to do the job the way that you're supposed to do the job. So we don't have any more situations like Carrie, like Kyle, like Denise, and, and the thousands of others uh, that were a victim of, of a disconnect Absolutely. through the 911 profit, prop, yeah. a disconnect through the 911 right. process. Because those are hard. Those are hard. And that's why I love this conference too. And if you do not believe me that these people are not reignited and they don't come out just oh, so excited, <laughs> just go to our website and go, you know, look at those testimonials from previous conferences. I mean, the people's 
responses speak for themselves. We didn't pay them. We didn't promise them anything. This is how they truly feel. And they're so excited. They don't want to leave the conference. They want to keep doing stuff. And that's the great thing about an in-person conference and why, you know, the virtual is hard. Um, But we, that's why we have so many passionate speakers like you, Sarah Weston, um, Hank Hunt, uh, Ricardo, you know, within, within the trenches. So because all of these people have a passion for 911 and we know yeah. that you'll feel it through the virtual world, yeah. even if you can't be in person. But we will be back in person next year. Yay. We're supposed to have our 10th year in the 2020, right? And yeah. so like many people who had their stuff burnt out, it's like, dang it, you know, they didn't get to have their wedding or their baby shower or whatever it might be that was really important in 2020. Well, ours was our big 10 year anniversary conference. And so we had to cancel that, but we're back virtually this year. And then next year we'll be in Austin, Texas, and we will do that 10th in-person anniversary conference. No, nobody needs, nobody needs to know. Um, but just, just as a disclaimer, if you are listening to this, so we talked about, uh, you have two more scholarships left to give out tomorrow, July 9th. 2021 is the last day to register. So I just wanted to throw that date out there because there are folks that they'll just listen and then it just goes from one episode to the other. So I wanted to make sure that the date was there. I normally don't put the date out there verbally, but uh, because you have a deadline for your conference registration, wanted to throw that out there. So Melinda, thank you so much for your your time, your passion and your dedication to just making this industry better and to educating our citizens on on numerous different levels. Yes, I love it. Thank thank you you, so much. Thank you for listening. Make sure you join us next time for another episode of entertaining, educational and empowering interviews with public safety difference makers. Please like and follow me on social media at On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge so you too can keep up with my shenanigans. Thank you, heroes, from the bottom of my blessed heart. Stay safe, stay strong, and stay here. We need you. For more information on Rapid SOS, our premier sponsor, and how you can get connected to the world's first emergency response data platform and better prepare and protect your family and community, visit rapidsos.com today.